0: to be a city on a hill where we radiate the light of jesus to those around us through our good works and we can't do that uh, apart from the power of the spirit and so uh, as christmas is approaching um, we're preparing to celebrate the advent of jesus the birth of jesus christ who brought his light into our world and so over the next few Sundays, all the way to the end of the year, uh, we'll be celebrating Advent. is uh, just a word that means arrival or the coming of Jesus 2,000 years ago, his first Advent, his first arrival or coming. And uh, the way we're going to do this is looking at certain passages in the book of Hebrews. In Hebrews 1, verse 1, it reads, Long ago God spoke to our ancestors, by the prophets at different times and in different ways in these last days he has spoken to us by his son god has appointed him heir of all things and made the universe through him the Son is the radiance of god's glory and the exact expression of his nature sustaining all things by his powerful word after making purification for sins he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high so the hebrew writer says that jesus is the radiance of god's glory that he perfectly ref- reflects and perfectly represents who god is in his character in his beauty in his power and the reason why is because jesus he's god right and the glory of jesus shines brightly in this dark and broken world but right? there's something really attractive and mesmerizing at, right when we see bright radiating lights in a dark dark place, like uh, for me growing up when it was Christmas time, uh, there was a particular house in our neighborhood uh, that was pretty large. Like in, in my mind as a kid, I saw it as like the White House, but like a miniature version of it. It was this really large house, and um, they decorated it like fully. You know, there are some houses that will just kind of string lights on the on, on on the roof of the house. And that's cool, but this this house went all out. Just it seemed like every area of their house and lawn was just decked out in lights and decorations. And so, my family, when we would drive home, we'd make it a point to to stop by the house, park there just for a little while, so we didn't seem suspicious, and like just look at the lights, be amazed at the lights, and then and then we'd go home. Right? It was just so attractive, right? To see this house that was just lit up, radiating all types of colorful lights well in contrast right god's radiance is infinitely more beautiful right who god is and what god does radiates throughout the world his glory also radiated through people in history when god empowered them to obey him these biblical characters that, that we're going to be reading about over the next few weeks, they're historical people who lived and died on this planet, but they were like bright Christmas lights, letting us know and pointing us to the ultimate light, was Jesus. So this Advent, Advent series, we're going to be focusing on certain characters in the Bible and how they radiated God's glory in particular ways and prepared us for Jesus. So today we're going to start with Abraham, and we're going to look at how his obedience radiated, shined, and stood out in, in ways that were really striking, in ways that were even, that I think are even convicting. Right? If you know anything about Abraham, you know that he was called by God to do some really, really tough things, uh, and his obedience is talked about right, even to this day. We'll explore uh, just some of the ways that his obedience really stood out and radiated like a bright light in the darkness. And we'll be doing that by looking at Hebrews. So Hebrews 11, verse 8, reads this about Abraham. By faith, Abraham, when he was called, obeyed and set out for a place that he was going to receive as an inheritance. He went out, even though he did not know where he was going. Right, Abraham's obedience... Here's one way that it, it radiated, it, it, it stood out, was it, it flowed from faith in God's word. Right here it says, by faith Abraham went. He obeyed. He went even though he didn't know where he was going. In other words, Abraham's obedience to God was doing it without having all the details. He didn't see the entire picture of what he was supposed to do. He was just supposed to leave his house and everything that was familiar and to go to a place that God would show him. And Abraham went not knowing where he was going. Have you ever had to go somewhere and not know exactly where that place is? Like for me, I have a terrible sense of direction. So if I'm driving somewhere, I, I could, you know, the third, the fourth time going to that place, I still need to Google map it. And, and for me, like... um my, my, with my sense of direction, it's really difficult to, to get a visual of where I'm going. And so I'm not too sure how I survived without Google Maps, right? Because uh, before Google Maps was MapQuest. Before MapQuest, right, if, you, if you remember MapQuest, before MapQuest was like you had the physical hard maps or you just relied on people's verbal directions to get you to their house, right? And, and I can't imagine living that way now, now that we have Google Maps, I would get lost a lot of the time because I'm not sure where I was going. See, Abraham, when he was called to leave and to go to, to the promised land, he didn't have all the details. He, he went trusting that the Lord would lead him. Right? It's tough to go somewhere if you don't have all the details. But not only that, right? it's, it's tough to make life decisions when you don't have all the details. Because right? we love to know everything right before making a decision we want to see all the benefits we want to see all the downsides before making that life change we want to see the, all the options that we have once we make that commitment or the options that we don't have and if there's something that's not certain if it's uncertain right, it's really tough to commit right to that that decision see Abraham's obedience was one where he didn't have a lot of things figured out things were still unclear But he still went. And the thing with Abraham, right, when he went on this trip, when he left his home, right, he didn't have travel insurance. He didn't have trip protections like we do if we lost, if he lost his camel, if his luggage got stolen or damaged, right, he wouldn't get reimbursed by any kind of insurance, right. Whatever he lost on this trip, he lost it. But not only that, for Abraham making this decision, right, uh, there are unknown safety factors as well. He would face really, really hot days and cold nights. He'd face the possibility of thieves coming to steal this stuff. Even worse, he'd face the possibility of people coming to, to kidnap those in his company. And it actually happened with his nephew Lot and Lot's family. They were kidnapped. So there was a lot of threats that Abraham was facing. And he wasn't some young 25-year-old guy that, you know, that was full of energy and strength. He was 75 years old when he left his home in Haran. He was vulnerable. And yet he obeyed God, right, to leave his home, not having all the details, not seeing the entire picture. And the reason he could do this was because he could trust in the one he was following even though he didn't have everything figured out. Where there are times where the Lord will call us into opportunities where we don't see the full picture. We don't have all the answers. And I think our temptation in those kind of moments is just to wait. Like, I'm going to wait till I get all of the details, and I, I know all the pluses and minuses of this situation figured out. But I know for me, there are times if I do that, and I wait to have everything figured out, I never actually end up doing anything because I'll never get that opportunity to see everything clearly. We'll end up never responding because we fear at times not being in control, right? Because we want to be in control of a situation, so we want to know everything about a situation. But because we're not God, we're not, we're not able to, right? Now, what we're talking about here, it's not, we're not talking about just foolish, rash decision-making, like going on a shopping spree while you're drowning in debt, right? Because you feel this urge to buy stuff. Right? We're not talking about that kind of decision-making. This isn't going through life without seeking the Lord's wisdom or seeking the counsel from others. Right? This is where we sense, okay, God is leading us into an opportunity. His word is affirming it. Right? Other Christians are supporting us, and we just sense the Holy Spirit just nudging us in that direction. Maybe it's a situation at work. Right, where the Lord is leading you to step into it. There's a person in your life, maybe that the Lord is calling you to reach out to, to befriend, but you don't know, you know, you're, you're afraid of rejection, you're afraid of the outcome, where right? you don't have all the details. Maybe there's a new way that that you can serve the Lord. But but in that situation, at maybe it's work, in the community, in a relationship, but in that situation, right, maybe we feel failing, messing up. And yet, The Lord is calling us to trust him in him sending us in that situation, that he will give us everything that we need. We don't need to know all of the details. Abraham went, right, not knowing everything. But he also went knowing that it would be very uncomfortable. That's the second way I think Abraham's obedience to God radiated. It was through discomfort, obeying God even when it was uncomfortable verse 9 in Hebrews 11 by faith he stayed as a foreigner in the land of promise living in tents as did Isaac and Jacob co-heirs of the same promise for he was looking forward to the city that had foundations whose architect and builder is God so abraham left right all that was comfortable and familiar to go into an unknown land and to become a foreigner in that place and not only a foreigner Right, but he would always be on the move, right, as a tent someone who lived in tents. Right. Have you ever went to a foreign country or even went to a certain place in, in, in the United States that, that you were either you weren't the dominant ethnicity or you weren't the dominant culture or you didn't speak the dominant language, right? It can be take you out of your comfort zone and it can it can get you really on edge, right? Because you're just in a really Foreign environment, like for me, when I went on a mission trip to Bangladesh uh, a few years ago, I felt like a fish out of water. Right? For me, when, when we went shopping in in, in, uh, in that nation, when we went out to eat, uh, I felt really on edge because I couldn't speak the language, I didn't understand too much of the culture, so I didn't know if I was offending people. Uh, I definitely stuck out like a sore thumb because there weren't a lot of there weren't a lot of Japanese there. And so I definitely stuck out in my ethnicity. Uh, and I did that for a little over a week. Right, some of you guys right, were in kind of a situation like that for longer than that. Right? And, and you can attest to it just, it, it's just not comfortable. Right? You, you, you just feel out of place. You feel maybe on edge, feel even vulnerable. Right? And, and maybe you've experienced even uh, suspicion right, for being a foreigner, an outsider, or people put certain stereotypes on you for being an American. See, Abraham, he faced stuff like that as a foreigner. But it wasn't for a week. It wasn't for a year. It was for the rest of his life. God's saying that you're going to live as a stranger in a foreign land. And not only would it be tough and uncomfortable for Abraham to try to fit in, but he downgraded his status of living, his standard of living. Right? He was comfortable in his home in Haran, and he moved and downgraded to tent living, always moving around in Canaan. Right, that's definitely not upgrading your standard of living. He downgraded it, but he did it out of an obedience to God's call to him. In, in our lives, right, it can be tempting to make decisions uh, based upon if something is comfortable or not. Right, the more comfortable something is for us, right, we're probably more prone to say, yeah, I think that's the Lord leading me to do that, you know, get into that situation. Or if something is uncomfortable, I think we're more prone to saying, I don't think God is leading me into that because that's going to make me pretty uncomfortable. Now, this doesn't mean that, that we're always seeking pain. It doesn't mean we're always trying to make the hardest decision in life as if we love pain. No, that, that's not what we're talking about here. But this is where the, when the Lord is leading us, into a situation, right, that is going to call for us to be uncomfortable. But yet, it's to love the Lord and to serve that group of people that, we're, that we're, we're, uh, we have the opportunity to, to serve. Right, and, and when we step into those uncomfortable situations, right, a lot of times right? It, it's, it's not going to be for one hour. It's not going to be for a week. But a lot of times that, that call into that, uncircumsta- into that uncomfortable circumstance could be months or years, maybe even lifelong. And that's where we need to have God's patience. We need to have God's patience. That's the third way. I think we see Abraham's obedience really stand out, really radiate. And that was that he obeyed God patiently. It requires patience. Right? Abraham had to wait for God's promises. He had to wait for years, decades, for him to have his promised son, Isaac, for Isaac to be born. Not only that, but Abraham would wait the rest of his life, waiting for that city of God. Right? He didn't get it in his life. He patiently waited on the Lord as he was obeying the Lord. Now, through that waiting, right, Abraham, he had times of, of doubt, right, since his wife was unable to have, uh, get pregnant for many years. They are both beyond the age of childbearing. He had times where he was tempted to do things his way instead of God's. And even though Abraham, his faith was not perfect, he patiently trusted God because he saw beyond his circumstances. And he looked to the God who was faithful to keep his promises. Right, maybe for some of us, right, we're in this season, this time of waiting on the Lord. And, and I think our temptation, my temptation, is to really rush the process, to do things our way. Right, maybe it's been a long time that we have not seen change in our life. And God is calling us to, to, to trust him in that situation, to not act rashly to continue to serve him and to love him in that situation that maybe we feel stuck in. And it could be that in that situation he is teaching us that there is greater joy and contentment in knowing God in that tough circumstance than there is for that circumstance to be changed. Because I think at times I will think to myself, man, if only this circumstance changes, I'll be happier and more content. And God is teaching us a contentment that really transcends any circumstance that we are in. We can trust God because he is faithful. We see it with Abraham's life. We can see it in our lives as well. That whatever God commands us, right, we can trust and obey him because he is faithful. Abraham understood this. And that's why Abraham could obey God wholeheartedly That's the fourth way that we see God's uh, Abraham's faith and obedience really stand out. It's through his wholehearted obedience to the Lord. In verse 17, it reads, By faith Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. He received the promise, and yet he was offering his one and only son, the one to whom it had been said, your offspring will be traced through Isaac. He considered God to be able to raise someone from the dead. Therefore, he received him back, figuratively speaking. Right? I think out of all the the times of obedience of Abraham, right, if you've read Abraham's life, I think this is the one that probably stands out the most to us, right, that kind of sticks in our minds, right? Abraham's willingness to sacrifice his one and only son. Right? God calls Abraham to do something that in our minds, right, it's unfathomable to even think about. Right? To take his one and only son and to sacrifice him as an offering to God. Right? This seems like the hardest thing for any of us to do. Right? To sacrifice someone that you absolutely cherish. Right? It seems so hard that it almost right, seems wrong for God to ask Abraham to do it, right? And I'm sure a lot of us, right, if, if you read this account, right, you've put, tried to put yourself in Abraham's shoes. I know I have, and, and thought to myself and wrestled with the idea, would I sacrifice someone that I love because God told me to do that? Right? That's what God was calling Abraham to do. Anyway, I bet we, a lot of us right, cringe even at the thought of that. Right? How did Abraham respond so wholeheartedly to God? Right? See, Abraham, he knew that Isaac was the promised son, that God would bless the nations through, that God would, see, multiply in his descendants. Abraham knew that Isaac would ultimately belong to God, even though Isaac was Abraham's son. Abraham also knew that God empowered Sarah to be able to have Isaac, even though she was beyond the age of childbearing. And so Abraham knew that God also had the power to raise Abraham, uh, to raise Isaac back from the dead when he sacrificed him. Right. So this wasn't ultimately about how great of a faith Abraham had, but was ultimately how great and powerful God is to be able to, give life, and raise the dead. Because Abraham knew the power of God, because he knew the love of God for him and for Isaac, he was willing to obey the Lord wholeheartedly. Not halfway, not compromise. And right, right if, if we know the story, we know that as, as Abraham was about to sacrifice Isaac, right, the angel of the Lord told him to stop. right, Because God isn't about human sacrifices. But what this revealed was a wholehearted obedience that, abraham had towards god see god wants us to have this same type of wholeheartedness towards him right? where in our lives is god calling us to fully obey him to fully trust him maybe it could be a challenging relationship maybe where we've just checked out on right and uh god is leading us right to really love and to sacrifice for this person but our hearts just not in it anymore Right, and God's calling us to, to trust Him and obey Him fully in this situation. Maybe it's a work or a school situation where we're just kind of, you know, we're just half hearting it. We're kind of checked out. We're discouraged. And God's calling us to, 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 to work for Him with all of our heart, to work for Him in that, that school situation. Maybe there is some kind of addiction or sinful or harmful habit uh, that's been really destructive in our lives. And we're tempted to just keep going back to it. We're unwilling to put it to death, to sacrifice that, that, that destructive habit. And God is calling us, right, to trust him, to obey him wholeheartedly. And, and maybe, maybe that looks like seeking help from others because we've been unwilling uh, to do so, because our hearts have kind of been devoted to that. Maybe there are certain good gifts in our lives, certain relationships, uh, good relationships that we've elevated above Jesus in, in which we give more love and more devotion to Jesus. Right, And the Lord, he's, he's calling us to find our greatest contentment and our greatest love and joy in him so that when we find our greatest love in him, then we're really free to love others unselfishly. And the Lord, right, he's, He's calling us to trust him in these times of obeying him even when it's difficult. Impossible without his spirit. Right? The call to, to obey God in this way that Abraham did, we, we can't do it. Right? We're going to fall short. Abraham's obedience to God right, wasn't perfect. It was impossible to him. In fact, when we look at Abraham's life, in all the ways that he obeyed God, there were so many other ways that he didn't obey God, that he didn't trust the Lord. And for example, Abraham he lied twice about not being married to Sarah because he was he was scared. He was trying to save his own skin. He didn't trust God in those moments. He also slept with his maidservant Hagar, right, in order to try to produce a family line through maidservant or or Sarah's maidservant instead of waiting on God to follow through with his promises Abraham he had he had times of doubt he had times of sin and moral failure because Abraham he isn't the promised Savior Abraham he's not the brightest light that radiates God's glory he was only one light pointing to the ultimate light who's Jesus Because Jesus is the only one who perfectly obeyed the Father. Jesus was sent from heaven uh, to earth, and he left the comforts of heaven to be uncomfortable in this broken world. He came into a world of suffering and sickness, violence and death. Jesus obeyed the Father patiently, but he grew up in a poor family, he waited till around 30 years old to start public ministry. He patiently endured the foolishness of his disciples when they didn't they struggled to understand who he was. He patiently endured the the uh, schemes of the religious leaders as they tried so many times to to trap him and to kill him. He endured the doubts of his family members who did not believe he was the Messiah. He endured the the, um, the spiritual attacks of Satan, his adversary. See, Jesus wholeheartedly obeyed the Father. He wasn't just willing to offer his life like Abraham was willing to offer Isaac, but Jesus actually offered his life on the cross, though he did nothing deserving of death. Right? His obedience to the Father was perfect. And because of that, he became the perfect substitute for us. Jesus took upon himself our sins on the cross, the righteous judgment of God that we deserved. And his last words on the cross was, it is finished. Right? He completed his perfect obedience to pay for our sins completely. Jesus radiated the glory of God right, in who he is and what he has done. And so we're going to spend time and continue spending time worshiping Jesus as that radiant, a radiant light of God's glory. As we sing to Him, as we take communion together. Let's go ahead and pray together, Father. We thank you for uh, biblical characters like Abraham, Lord, who showed us and pointed us to a greater light, Jesus, and who was broken and and sinful and. Uh, failed in so many ways and yet you used him for your glory so you can use us even though we are broken even though we make mistakes and we fail and we stumble you even use us to radiate your glory in our lives help us to depend on jesus and to look to jesus as our source of strength as our example of perfect obedience and our empowerment to be able to obey when things are tough and uncomfortable and challenging and require sacrifice. Lord, that you are worthy of our obedience. That's in Christ's name we pray, amen.